0: KFCF in Fresno, 97.5, K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. These are the rule, so divide up those in darkness from the one light light em up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of sight this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw today is October the 17th 2017, and California is still burning. Oh, there must be something here. I've found something cheerful. I've got a copy of the women's issue of Common Ground for this month, October, and there's an article here called Black Feminist Joy. That. I can take this home with me and I, I I, think I can post it downstairs in the Harriet Tubman Terrace where I live. The pictures are wonderful. It's a photo essay and these black women are, uh, what do you call it, multicultural. There's uh, every single uh, place, not just, you know, uh, not just Kenya and South Africa. Okay, I, I can't. Tell you about this. You have to go and get it. It's in common ground. It's the women's issue. And what it's trying to explain is that joy is good, and joy that need not be gated and walled against the pain of others is surpassing good. Now, that's what one of the women said. And that's so hard. Uh, The problems of suffering. Uh, at some point, they can disable us. Uh, the story I heard this morning about the 17-year-old girl caught in the fire. Oh, I'm not going to talk about that. We're supposed to practice joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. Otherwise, we're no good at all, and we can't help uh, anyway I'm gonna put that aside it's an article called black feminist joy in the women's issue of common ground and I want to thank the listener who sent me something here <laughs> my ego yes uh, she found an ad I think she seemed to think it was from a poetry reading is yes. an ad for a play that was performed at the Rasputin theater company in the 80s I think in um, Maybe even the late 70s? The 80s, it was called Three Hands Clapping, and it was first produced at the, uh, uh, the Berkeley Stage Company, and I, <laughs> I took a part in it. Uh, by the time it got to the Rasputin Theater, I had a chance to see it, see what it really was, because I wasn't performing in it. Uh, it says here, a poetic new drama. <laughs> It's at the Lab de Visidero, San Francisco, Rasputin Theater Company, and there's a picture of me that dates from 1977. Oh, what a little ego trip that is to see that somebody, (laughs) somebody found something. Yes, the village voice. I'm looking here at all these good things I found in my box today, trying to find. Something, something, something cheerful, because I can't handle the news listening about this catastrophic fire. I I find that I can't think straight. I mean, I know everyone is doing whatever they can. Human courage is not just heroic, it's miraculous. How is it that so many people... Uh, I mean, and not all of them strong or healthy. How is it that they can just keep going and struggling to survive and put their lives back together? I I am also amazed at the ways in which they help each other. Uh, I don't know what it is about human beings. It seems like when things get tough, the tough get going. The rest of the time, we we collapse into neurosis and narcissism. Oh, what a species. Uh, I did turn on the TV a little bit uh, late last night. Uh, I have a young friend who always says, I can't hear it without the pictures. Turn it on, I guess. Uh, That's the way it is for some folks, uh, younger maybe, but uh, I find that it's easier to listen. Listen to radio. Use by imagination. Draw the picture. Ah, uh, the voices. Voices on radio. They they uh, inform the tone, the voice. They are real. Uh, and actually, even the scripts. They synthesize information. Tell us much more in the time that they have. TV is just stuffed with uh, non-content, you know, mostly advertisements for itself. TV is always all about itself. Uh, mm, And the empty phrases, my God, uh, I think I'm bad. Try listening to the uh, evening news, times like these, I just need to know that someone in the media, someone in the communication racket, the pundits, the commentators, is aware, is, uh, you know, is awake. Uh, I like to listen when I search for wise voices. But then I give up. At some point, I just go sit under the trees out on my back balcony and... Listen to the voice in my own head. I recommend it. You may not like what it has to say. There's a lot of static there. But some of us need to argue with ourselves, you know. I try to remember how little I know. The more I learn, the less I know, right? I need to do that because I still get angry with the absurdo stupidisms I hear, how can they be such idiots? I was listening to Al Gore for a minute last night, he was advertising his new film, and he was saying how our children um, would just say, "How could we have been so stupid back in the day?" Yes, all oh, this socio-political BS and meaningless economic projections. Uh, <laughs> lies, big lies, and statistics. I used to have a T-shirt, and it said, Make Money Funny. Uh, That was back when I didn't understand that economics was the basis of everything uh, in our society. That was, you know, back in the day, we had those little shirts, and we we would, you know, have poetry readings, and we would... uh, Make money into little airplanes and burn it and silly stuff like that, you know. We thought we were doing guerrilla theater (laughs) today. Today we know that money is totally malevolent. Uh, uh, It's a good idea, actually, in some ways, but uh, it isn't working out. I think we have to change it. I think we're going to get a credit card it up at the end of the year, um, the struggle for money, the, what is it, the search for a paycheck, uh, it uh, just keeps us from living. We can't connect. Every human interaction has this financial context. You know, uh, is my friend better off than I am? Should I, uh, oh, you know, should I pay the god of money, old Moloch? this this God poisons our relationships. Follow the money and learn. Follow the money so you can stay in touch with reality. Know what everything costs, literally and figuratively. I looked up the word real once and after a search somewhere I found a uh, well, uh, a non-definition. It It came into use at some point because it meant the coin of the realm. Realm is real. Coin is real. Real estate land property. All the material stuff that Moloch uses to torment us day after day. I was thinking, thinking about money this week and, uh, Oh, reality, I decided to watch an HBO show, a series called Deuce, D-E-U-C-E, Deuce, D-E-U-C-E. A friend recommended it. Well, he asked if I had seen it, so I felt I should check it out. It's on HBO. Uh, It's all about money. Now, it pretends, it presents to be about pornography. The viewers might think that it's all about sex. Uh, the subject, though, is pornography and human uh, misery and the fight for the money, uh, for the cash. Watch the characters count. They're just counting their money constantly, um, both the women, the pimps, the everybody, everybody, uh, is working, you know, to get a piece of the action we see bags of coins all over the floor and they smash coin machines and flood the room with (laughs) all the all the cash from the jukebox that kind of thing uh at some point i think i found myself cross with the characters whose contempt for money got them into trouble works both ways money is useful that's all it is uh It's a means to an end. It even means freedom sometimes, you know. Uh, The show presents the gamblers, uh, the self-destructive types, you know. People who don't understand that money can kill you and that it can also bail you out. Uh, It can buy independence. Uh, Virginia Woolf said that she'd rather have money than the vote. We know that prostitution and pornography are billion-dollar rackets. The morality involved in these, well, in the social controls that are supposed supposed to limit uh, prostitution, uh, all of that is confused and conflicted. Uh, I made a list of 20 movies that get it all wrong or try to be progressive and fail and wind up romanticizing (laughs) sex for sale Uh, I don't know what corrupts the money or the what do you call it Uh, the sexual sorrows uh, I think of Christianity so many religious uh, religious what do you call that precepts uh, uh, are designed to crush the, uh, not just women, but the spirit of life, the, well, love. Um, Now, literature does teach us, a a whore can be a lover, but it also teaches that you cannot buy love. Except in those curious ways when you can. I used to ask students uh, to choose between love or money sometimes i was desperate as a substitute teacher and i'd say write me a little essay and tell me which better <laughs> what's what's what is it you want most of all love or money you would be amazed at the things they wrote now literature gives us a history of human love that's what uh, that's what it's about uh, reality shows us how human love fluctuates in place and time, all the factors go into it Uh, I wrote an essay called Eros in Chains which I struggled with this concept and it was published at one point I think in the Berkeley Monthly and I got the most god awful letters Uh, all the well a couple of mails telling me how uptight I was anyway (laughs) Anyway, uh, poverty uh, has always been a threat, a threat to love, uh, to human relations, to our families. Yes, family values for me means that you've got enough money to pay the dentist. I don't know if you think about it. Each age is different. Each family is different. Everything depends, depends. Charles Dickens seemed to feel that wealth was a mixed blessing. He did try to write books to illustrate the pain involved in getting and spending, stealing. In today's economy, uh, poverty is violence. We see the Violence of poverty on our streets, in our prisons, in the schools, uh, <laughs> I remember I had some students once who figured out that if you gave a man, uh, the money that would be spent on maintaining him in prison for a year, you'd never see him again, you'd go out and, you know, uh, establish himself and, you know, maybe start a business, but he certainly wouldn't commit crimes, uh, On the other hand, I think the violence of the rich is what creates the the worst, the worst suffering. I could be wrong. I mean, wealth, the wealth at the top is certainly terrorism. Now, I don't know. I I used to call it state terrorism, but I think more and more, well, it's just these, uh, what is it, uh, crony capitalists who are now all around the world. Countries don't really... Uh, ...signify it's it's the rich from here to China. Anyway, those guys, you know, they cling to privilege... ...and uh, I guess they're afraid that if they share, they'll be left without. Uh, hmm. Listen to citizens say things... Uh, ...well, the other day I heard one say they didn't want to pay for schools if they didn't have any children, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, no concept of a shared fate. Actually, the depression, the Great Depression of the 1930s did actually have a uh, an impulse to, well, not to share so much, but they, they understood that we were all in this together. You know, it doesn't matter which end of the boat you're in. We're all sinking. Now, that, that, That's over. That doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, The cruelty of the people I hear speaking about welfare, they despise. Uh, I saw one the other day, (laughs) you know, uh, looking at a woman using food stamps and buying something that she thought was frivolous. Uh, mm -hmm. Food stamps are only for gruel. Please, sir, may I have a little more, says Oliver Twist. (laughs) Anyway, that feeling about welfare is just as intense today as it was when Reagan's welfare queen was used as his scapegoat. Uh, Puritans, so strange, I think the Puritan ethic told us that... uh, the, the grace of God was with the rich, and their wealth was proof of God's grace. Yes, his favor. Uh, anyway, words and definitions. Our forefathers told us to, quote, promote the general welfare. Think how different that connotation was back in the day. What that meant was social well-being. All the kids go to school, you know values expressed back in the day well in the eighteenth century, I think we had a lot of idealists we have we have them we always have some we have these uh, what is it best of times worst of times uh-huh the egalitarian laws that have made us more progressive uh uh I don't quite they don't seem to fit. The problem today is that they're not carried out right. Pass the law and ignore it. Women and people without property. Uh they can vote now. <laughs> if they can find if they can find uh the polling place, you know. All of us know, even those of us who don't admit it, we know that wealth is the real class marker today, as in the past, I mean, it looks good if you've had an education, but, you know, if you haven't got the, the do-re-mi, forget it, uh, I remember Jane Fonda saying that we should drop the word socialism and call it economic democracy, that, that, that fits, change the phrase, change the words, I think that uh, economic democracy, like socialism, is still a utopian dream. Cuba was a theme park, you know. Hippie heaven was the last time I saw it at work. I saw this illusion of universal love come alive. Uh, So difficult to hang on to the good stuff. Our culture wars pit cruelty against compassion. I hear on the news that the Missouri juvenile prisons are more compassionate than the horrible, cruel facilities in Florida. Go figure. (laughs) Our country is, uh, what do you call that, uh, breaking up. It's kind of like the Balkans. We vote with our feet, uh, go to the place where things are uh, better. Now, I was just mentioning a TV show called Deuce, D-E-U-C-E, and I hope that I, uh, have time maybe next week to, uh, review it in depth. It tries to illustrate an ugly scene in 1971 here in these United States, uh, in Times Square, back in, uh, the day, Times Square. It seems that at that time, community standards in New York City were non-existent, and all the money was in porn. Uh, I think think it's an interesting show, historically speaking. Uh, Those who are younger will appreciate all the uh, references, the historical uh, verisimilitude. We anticipate the battles of sex workers that are coming. Uh, there there weren't such things in 1971. Remember, didn't even have the pill. Uh, the show portrays the scene as this morass of moral confusion. Uh, a prostitute who can think for herself is in deep trouble. Uh, one of them doesn't have a pimp. She's one of the producers, uh, James Franco, and, uh, Maggie, oh, I can't, I'll find her name and spell it for you, uh, the actor-producer, uh, she, well, the two of them seem to be the leads, I don't know how it's going to play out, I checked out the first six episodes, uh, actually, uh, Maggie suddenly realizes, uh, her name is Elaine Candy, she calls herself Candy, of course, they all get new names, she realizes that the actors in the porn films get no residuals, oh boy, early days in the porn racket were not just sordid, they were were naive, Uh, it was such a crude business, you know, Uh, it was all the mafia, (laughs) run whores for wise guys. What a deal uh, mm-hmm. The infrastructure of New York City uh, shows it as soaked in corruption. It's a mess, you know. cops taking advantage of arrest practices. Uh, the whole the whole thing. Uh, it's squalid and I guess that's what makes it fun, you know the bit. Later years here in the Bay Area, Margot St. James was famous or infamous for starting a sex workers' union, you know. And, of course, they do mention several times in the show that things are cool in Amsterdam. If the Europeans can do it, so can we. This is America, says one of the girls. Uh, Now, today, in the second decade of the 21st century, some of that (laughs) seems, uh, what... uh, Not just stupid, but uh, what do you call that? Uh, Romantic. Romanticism kills, folks. The gross portrayal here shows that commerce in sex, uh, what is that, Uh, breaks the heart. Well, I'm not even sure about that. Remember the other lie? That one about the whore with a heart of gold, uh, that's still with us, it's out there. This show, Deuce, D-E-U-C-E, does all the right stuff, you know, with the 1970s references. uh, The new brothels were the massage parlors and, of course, no feminism, uh, well, no party line feminism yet. Uh, The women know that they're being oppressed and uh, exploited. We see gays beginning to come out, Uh, let's see, there's uh, a hint, yes, the Stonewall riots in Greenwich Village are foreshadowed, the show is mostly what I call a male fantasy, but (laughs) with plenty of material to illustrate the, what is it, The, the crude, the ugly, the despicable side of things, you know. Sex in the toilet, you know, poking little holes. Oh, never mind. Uh, now, I mean, it, it's been half a century, folks. Uh, syphilis was the most feared disease at that time. They were having Tupperware parties, and these sophisticated characters went to listen to jazz, and that gives color to the script, not just for the black actors, uh, but mostly, yes, Uh Condoms were certainly not in use by the Johns at that time. A woman pimp was something very new, at least, you know, for street prostitutes. Uh, Now, one of the prostitutes, the one who tries to become a porn filmmaker, is the character that we're supposed to identify with, I don't know, maybe a little bit, at least to like her. She's sympathetic. Uh... The booze and the bars are still the center stage. Uh, uh, the machismo is downplayed by a number of the males. They seem to be equally miserable in their own way. Uh, they suffer, too, although they do it with, with in more comfort, let's say. Uh, you know, they, they feel like they're in power, some of them now. This is all about sexism as a social construct. You know, uh, ever since five thousand years ago, ever since we decided that we needed property and weapons. And, you know, after the Bronze Age, right? The boys, the boys were the boss. Uh, now the women's despair is grim, but uh, this show makes us want to believe that feminism is going to come. And save us! <laughs> Remember Judy, Jody, Jody Foster in Taxi Driver. Gone are the films like Never on Sunday, in which naive prostitutes were happy in their work. <laughs> Still, I think I have time next week to go on about uh, deconstructing male fantasies. Uh, oh, it's the woman who pays the ones at the bottom do the work Uh, the laws did change one pubic hair at a time but uh, I'll be back next Tuesday to try to break this up, break this down unpack it this has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. till next time go easy and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can Puerto Rico and Cuba, two wings of the same bird. A hurricane relief benefit for Puerto Rico presents brilliant, internationally renowned Cuban poet Nancy Morihun, Cuban cultural worker Daisy Salas, Puerto Rican-born historian Javier Arbona, and poet Kathleen Weaver. They will celebrate in poetry and prose... The historic relationship uniting the two islands, both of whom suffered recent hurricane damage. It all happens at La Pena Cultural Center 3105 Shattuck in Berkeley on Sunday, October 22nd at 6 p.m. Sponsored by the Bay Area Friends of Nancy Mordejón, La Pena Cultural Center, KPFA, and the Turquino Project to benefit the Maria Fund. That's Sunday, October 22nd at 6 p.m. at Wheelchair Accessible La Pena.